You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to What Load of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights, special Wednesday edition because you know it's the playoffs. We're here to talk tomorrow night's League 2 playoff tussle with Cheltenham at Six Fields, along with the usual death row dogs content and such important global topics. First up, joining me is Northampton's resident Eurosport commentator. He knows a thing or two about nightclubbing with Bernard Lamar. It's Andy Bodfish. Hello, Andy. Good evening. Hello there. Yeah, you can perhaps regale us a little bit later about your, your tales of globe trotting with Eurosport and the international sports scene and various um, dodgy nightclubs around the world. If I must. If, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Then we have Jake Moore, who caused a stir with the North Korean embassy by suggesting their great leader have a cardboard cutout at Sixfields. Hello, mate. Yep. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, good stuff, mate. It was the first episode was really good and it went down really well. So apart from the uh, North Korean thing, that, that didn't go down well. Well, I, I thought they'd have been flattered to be honest with you. So to hear that it went down so badly with them was quite concerning, to be quite honest. Yeah, basically, someone pretending to be from North Korea contacted us saying the death rate dogs bit was a sick piss take out of their cuisine. So <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a bit politically uh, dodgy that one. Um, but yeah, we up next we've got the man who's not. Been forgiven for equating F and E lad with Alistair Slow. It's Tesco's finest, Martin Maloney. Uh, Hello, mate. Good to be here. I don't think we're ever going to live that F and E lad view down, am I? <laughs> F on's mum's been on the line. She's, she's not happy at all, mate. She's he's at least on the level of Ian Gilzine. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to let you off that one. How's, how's it going with you, mate? Yeah, all, all good, all good. Enjoy, enjoyed the first podcast, and I come to you from. Well, I've actually got sunshine on Leith. I had cloud over Leith yesterday, which didn't sound as poetic. But yes, kind of the land of the Proclaimers and Hibernian is where I'm working today. A nice one. You get about a bit um, in your job, so that's nice. Uh, Edinburgh's always a pretty nice part of the country. It's thundering back in Northampton, so you're not missing much. Now, you might hear that in the background, listeners. So well, I, did, I did see a message. We had baseball training tonight, and um, I've just seen a message. They turned up, and the heavens opened, a storm, torrential rain, and all abandoned. So, yeah, don't think I'm missing too much down there. If you build it, they will come and all that. Uh... <laughs> unless, it, unless it rains. <laughs> yeah, so Martin busy up in, in Scotland, and we've got Ian Brunt coming back to us uh, to have a little chat. Currently the golden child of the podcast after getting us nearly 4,000 views with his quip about MK Dons, but likely to sully that position at any moment. Hello, Ian. Hi, Tom. I've got playoff fever. Yeah, I think we all have, mate. We have to get to the doctors. <laughs> Social distancing. <laughs> what are the symptoms of playoff fever? Just general excitement and, you know, having some Sickness. to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird being a Cobblers fan, obviously, in many ways, we've been a Cobblers fan, but we always seem to get in the playoffs sort of fairly regularly. It's something that we're sort of quite used to now, and it does bring a little bit of a buzz for us Northampton fans, and that's actually quite a neat link, actually, to our, our special guests we've got on the show tonight, and it really is an honour to be joined by <coughs> a guy who knows all there is to know about the playoffs, really, getting to Wembley twice on the bounce in the 90s with Northampton, and you know, giving us a brilliant moment when we won it against Swansea. It's Ian Clarkson. Hello, Ian. 
Hello, Tom. I have to say, Tom, you, you know I sound like Mickey Warner, mate. If, if, if I right. shut my eyes, I could be talking to Michael Warner. I'll take that as, as a compliment, mate. He's a, he's a very good player. At least it's not Dean <laughs> here. It could be Dean. <laughs> what with his uh, D- Dudley's finest accent, you mean? Yeah, good point. Yeah, he's got a, uh, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a proud uh, Dudley, Dudleyonian. But how's it going, Ian? You, have you sort of had a little look at the Cobblers v Cheltenham game, getting a bit of excitement over there? Oh, excited. Yeah, the excitement is, is buzzing in deepest, darkest Derbyshire for this one, mate, I tell you. So, um, <laughs> but no, no, in all seriousness, I'd, yeah, obviously, I'd, it would be great to see the Cobblers go up. I think they should be knocking on the door of the Championship, at the very least, with the size of the potential of the club. So, this will be the first step towards it. They're always big games, the playoffs, and, you know, sometimes they're, they're close affairs, and sometimes one team might go hell for level. I guess that happened in... Uh, the second playoff when we got a bit of a whoop in the first leg and then came back. But do you keep an eye on the cobblers in the, you know, after you? No, I, I do. Yeah, I mean, well, I've not kept an eye on for the last sort of twelve or thirteen weeks. But pr- pr- yeah. prior to that, yes, you know, obviously, uh, I like to see all, all my old clubs do well. I had a great time at Northampton, and I've, I've noticed they've done a, they've timed their run to perfection. Really, you know, in in decent form, or well, they were going in, going into it. But I guess that's kind of all all. Got, got out the window a bit now. But look, you know, as we all know in the playoffs, uh, all you got to do is keep your nerve, really, over, over two games. And I've got every confidence in them. You're no strangers to Wembley, are you? Because you, before you came to Northampton, and you might have actually been to Wembley another time, but you played for Blues in one of the, uh, I think it was called, there's only data systems or whatever in those days, a, a yeah. trophy at, at Wembley with, with Birmingham City, didn't you? So... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I played there in 91. It was, it was Leyland Daff, it was called back in the day. So I was only 20, um, but it, it was a great game. Beat Tranmere 3-2 in the final. Um, it was one of those 2-0 up, 2-2, hanging on, and then John Gale scored an unbelievable overhead kick to win it for us with about five minutes to go. So, um, yeah, uh, and I was in, as I said, I was 20. So that was probably at that stage the, the sort of highlights of my career, really. Yeah, I, I, that's worth that goal is worth looking at on YouTube. It's a hell of a goal from John Gow, and you would not expect it. He's gone down as one of the best goals ever at Wembley. So, yeah, very much. So I have to say though that you know, I, I reckon his performance against Bristol Rovers in, in that second leg when we won three uh, nil, that that was something else as well. He batted their centre halves that night. Yeah, he was uh, he was just a big influence in many ways. I don't think without him, maybe some of it would have, would have come on, especially the uh, the tunnel game championship, which we can get onto later. Let's bring Andy in here. Andy, you remember those days well. You were working for Northampton TV in uh, in those days and covering the, the playoffs, and there was a real real big buzz around Cobblers, wasn't there? In the uh, especially, we'll start off with ninety six, ninety seven. Big buzz around the club, wasn't there, Andy? Definitely so. Yeah, I think it was probably the case. Um, it's, uh, I was thinking about this after our chat um, the other week about it. A good time for the sort of county generally in terms of sport, the late 90s, wasn't it? Because you got the Saints ended up as European champions. I remember I remember going to Wembley as well with Kettering and I think the FA, FA Trophy final, it would have been 2000 against Kingstonian. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the town were absolutely flying then and um, some brilliant Brilliant memories of that time. The other thing, Ian, I was uh, doing a bit of surveillance on your career yeah. prior to uh, prior to tonight, and um, you actually you were in the playoff semis for Stoke as well, weren't you? The previous yeah, that's year, right. Ninety six. That's right. The, the year before, I sort of joined Northampton, so I was ninety minutes away from Wembley, really, again, and 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 and, and the Premier League, you could almost say. So again, because you, you have some mad results in the playoffs, don't you? You drew nil nil, I think, at, at um, away Leicester, at and then yeah. you've got. Beaten at home in the, the second leg, I think. Yeah, well, I, with the uh, the first leg at Leicester, we, we, we were the better team. Graham Potter, who's uh, now managing Brighton. Yes. He, uh, he, he, missed, a couple, he missed a great chance. Uh, and somebody else did who escaped, escapes me. And he, but we were the better team. But in the second leg, to be fair to Leicester, they scored. Gary Parker scored. And then we didn't really get, get back into it again. Uh, yeah, Shades of Grimsby, I would say. Shades of Northampton Grimsby in the second leg. So, um, so look, you know. It was yeah, it was a, a good good season for us. Mike Sheridan and Simon Sturridge were just on, on fire. They were two very strong players. Ian. Did, did you have qualms about coming down? Because that was a big drop from Stoke in, in a lot of ways to come down to Northampton. Did you, did you have, have a you know a few second thoughts about it, or was it the, the, the project something that excited you at Northampton? Uh, to, to be honest, you know, I had, I had no no intention of coming. If I'm honest, um, you know, I, I was. <laughs> I was playing in the championship, but I had four seasons on the spin. I'd had about 50 games that year that we got to the playoffs. And 
I, I wasn't really, you know, to be honest, I was I was set to sign again for Stoke. They offered me a deal. I didn't think it was very good. So I turned it down. They said, well, if you want a free, you can go. And then sort of throw me toys out the pram. I thought, right, off, off I go then. Um, spoke to two or three clubs. And then I, mean, I, I, I obviously knew Ian from my time at Birmingham uh, and playing with him. And he's, so yeah, I, I met up with Ian and he was incredibly persuasive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was a persuasive man. Um, and, I, yeah, and he said, yeah, I, I've, I've got you to six fields. I'm, I'm not letting you go until you uh, agree to sign. I wasn't held hostage or anything, but he, he, uh, he, he put forward a decent deal. So I sort of went away and thought about it. And I then I just kind of, I was 26 and I thought, I'll tell you what, I, I think I could go there and enjoy my football. I'm going to play. They appear to have some forwards who can score some goals. And I know what Akers is like. We, we, you know, he, I, I can still say this. He could, he could start, he could start a fight in a phone box. Akers. He, he, he was great for that siege mentality. And and uh, once, although phone boxes are now pre- are pretty much non-existent, aren't they? So um, you miss, you so, missed one game that that first season, Ian. Just yeah. looking at it, one game. Can you remember which one it was? I think I probably can, which makes me quite sad. I couldn't tell no, you. Exact, I, I couldn't tell you the exact time my children were born, but I can probably tell you that stat, much to my wife's annoyance. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think it was Rochdale. It was it bang on Rochdale, fifteenth of February, nineteen ninety-seven. And that was only a suspension, I think, that, that did it. Yeah, forty-five out of forty-six in the league, and you play. You played against Watford in the cup. Everything else. Playoffs or even the auto windscreens. You yeah. didn't even get a, get a rest then. Oh, no, it, it was great. I mean, I, you know, I, I enjoyed playing. And you ask anybody, you, you know, much rather play than train. Or you know, I mean, that, that, the, there is a massive urban myth where people say, oh, "I need a rest." You don't need a rest. You can you can rest when you're retired. Honestly, you've got bags of time to sort of recover. Particularly if you're playing in, in League One and Two. You know, you're not travelling abroad, you're you know you're playing in England, so nothing's further than th- three and a half hours, really. So the thing is, Ian, when you retired, you went and won the conference. So I mean, yeah, when, yeah, when do you rest? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a, a fairly valid point. I, I often find that I, I used to much prefer playing to training. Obviously, you know, training is a, a necessary evil. Yeah, yeah, you have to do it, and I was I always tried hard in, in training. But if you said to me, would you rather play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? It's an absolute no-brainer. Ian, was it a good group for training? Did people train well, or did you like that 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 ninety six ninety seven team when you had people like you know Franey from Roy Hunter yeah. and Sean Parrish, people like that, John Gale, Neil Grayson? Were they were they good trainers, or do you have the yeah no good, all, all, like, all good? I mean, there's, there's there's lots of sort of you know urban myths about. I mean, you know, I was a footballer professional for sort of sixteen years, and I didn't see many bad trainers in that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you did, they stood out like a, a, a sore thumb, really. I think as I got older. And the game became more, um, I can't say more professional, because that's unfair, because I mean, yeah, pe- people were more aware of diet and the impact of drinking and all that kind of stuff. You know, you, you would probably see people socialise less. But 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 certainly from a, a training hard point of view, they, yeah, that, that group of lads would come in, work the socks off. And, and it's fair to Ackers, he, 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 he loved a run. So, you know, um, Northampton Athletics, Athletics Club was at, was at the back, wasn't it, at the stadium back in those days. So we'd uh, often run around that track or run up the banks of six fields uh, around those sort of big pylons that were there. So, yeah, we worked hard and we often spent lots of time working tactically as well. So you'd sort of train hard in the morning, tactical work, either your second session of the day or or in the afternoon, really. Yeah, the cobblers were well known for being for working hard. I don't think Ackers would particularly have any... Workshop players in there. That's the, that was his sort of ethic around the team. Everyone works as a unit. Um, let's bring Martin Maloney in at this point. Martin, there were there were good times, 96, 97, and, and especially so because of the contrast from what came just only a couple of years earlier at the, the county ground. Can you remember how things started to change from the bad days to things looking a bit brighter with that, that team around uh, abs- Absolutely. It, I think there was there was definitely from the period that, that Ian Atkins came in it was probably having and we talked last week about those sort of halcyon days had a great effect on us all of the Graham Carr days if we're around then 86 87 and then the sort of gradual decline under managers and Atkins came in and there was a bit of I wouldn't say swagger but it was a bit of confidence about the side you know there was there was an identity some of the physicality was was scary and 
I think there's certainly one, Ian, I'd like, just like to ask you. Um, I yeah. posted last night on Facebook um, that we were doing this one because I've got a couple of Blue Nose mates. Yeah. And then one of them, um, my mate Leon, who, who plays baseball in Birmingham, okay. he's posted that Wembley win inside. Yes. He said, look at all the guys that ended up with you lot. Yeah. Because of, there was yourself in that side, John Gale, Dean Peer. Yeah. And I think then a Stokey piped up as well. And I noticed Simon Sturridge also ended up with Yeah, a... John Frame was in it as well. Right. Oh, yep. Yeah. How, how could I forget John Frame with that? No, no, Nigel Gleghorn had, had a month in with us, I think, yes. on loan as well. Yeah. So, so yeah. there was definitely some something about Atkins got... Obviously, getting players in that you know is often yeah. a good thing, good thing for, a, for a manager. And yet there was... You know that was it was it felt a strong season all all the way all the way through. Yeah, I think there was um there was a time I don't know I think a one all draw with Hereford United might be in the previous season. Someone shouting Atkins, get out Atkins, your time's up. I mean, mate, look at yeah, no, this guy knows what this guy knows what he's doing. And that yeah. culmination of it with with kind of the, the playoffs, the away win at Cardiff, which I missed, but my, my mate Colin would be, he said, mine and I have never been so scared at a football match in my <laughs> life. He said, he said, even with a goal like that, wonderful Sean Parrish goal to win it. Yeah. was fantastic. But then the home game with them, it was almost a foretaste of that atmosphere a year later at home to Brist- Bristol Rovers. But the win, the kind of, the 2-0 over Cardiff and that, that sending off, where I think Uriah Rennie, who probably matched John Gale physicality, you know, he's the biggest, strongest ref ever. Yeah. And when it was sort of, um, Grayson was sort of elbowed, stroke clotheslined, I swear to this day, the red card was out before Grayson hit the ground. It was absolutely dramatic. And, you know, Cardiff with their kind of lively set of supporters, you know, sometimes you feel it can't happen to a nicer team. So yeah, they they were just they were just one wonderful times, and then of course our first Wembley win. It was, yeah, at, you know, I mean, having I mean, been through a decline, to yeah. get back to there was fantastic. I mean, Akers was just the master of kidology. I remember before that semi final, he, he said to me on Friday, Ken, Kenny, it's been saying you, you two are past it, and I was like, really? I'm only 26. Yeah, no, I've heard him. He's been all over the club call or everyone's saying, and I said that's never right. He said, yeah, it is, yeah, it is. So oh, clearly that wasn't true, but he, he got got, got into my head. And then I remember we scored and went one up in the second leg. Can't remember who scored it. And I ran about 50 yards and was just celebrating in front of Kenny Hibbert. And I ended up. You're right. When he came out, I thought he's going to send me off here, but he he, he only booked me. Um, I think Kenny Kenny took a swing at me. And then uh, about two years ago, I was, I was speaking to somebody who, who was writing Kenny Hibbert's book, and he said, he's been meaning to ask you, what was that all about? And I said, well, Akers told me that you'd been... He said, no, I never said a word. So, um, there you go. So, you, so, so can you hear but Poor Kenny Hibbert had not actually said this thing. And he, yeah, uh, Atkins, he, Atkins probably went around to every player in the squad, told him that so-and-so had yeah. said, you're past it. And then that, that, that was the um, result of it. Let's bring um, Ian in. Ian, will you... Were you going like home and away in that season, like six, nine, seven? Yeah, I was quite. I was quite young. I was in the sixth form. I was that. I was, yeah, I was about seventeen, sixteen, I think. I remember. Um, I didn't go to the away game because I was on a geography field trip, and I remember coming back on the minibus, and uh, one of the girls was a Coppers fan, and uh, I remember she was on the other minibus, and she. I remember putting her finger up, saying uh, one nil, one nil, and then I remember the second leg. I I also did a lot of running that night because I was watching up on the hill, and. Um, after the Cobblers' third goal went in, the uh, the Cardiff uh, crew came running up the hill to uh, take on the, the NAT lads who were there. Big police presence as well. I remember some of the NAT lads going, stand your ground, stand your ground. And uh, I don't know what happened, but next thing I remember, I was in the cinema foyer. I think I ran probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they meant. They meant just go and watch a nice uh, tick yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I went to the, the away game, the first leg um yeah uh, at Ninian Park and Ninian Park was a proper old school ground and the away end was an open terrace and it w- it was quite an intimidating place to go so how did Akers calm you down for that game because we came away with a, a win how did that um... well I, I think to be fair to him we'd have played him what four times that year we beat him in the league cup mm. I think we beat him in the league at home drawn away so we always felt like we could beat them really um, although interestingly, I don't think we we would actually went at Cardiff, and I think we drawn and, and lost there. But I always felt that we could beat them. Uh, I think the game started; and it was fairly even, to be honest. And then obviously, um, 
was it Coops who got sent off? What about Mark Cooper got yeah. sent off, didn't he? Yeah. So I just thought, well, if, if we can hang on for, for a nil-nil, that'd be great. And then I actually saw on Facebook a couple of days ago, I can't, I'd forgotten how good that goal was. It was unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, he picked up his own half and he just came from nowhere. And I think that that knocked the stuffing out of him then, really. And but the, you know, Cardiff were, as you as you say, they were quite a big club. And I I, I knew Samish Kumar, their chairman, and I knew a couple of the players, and they, they, they had a couple of mouthy players, which is fine. We 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 had a couple of mouthy players as well. So it, it, there was always a, a a fair bit of needle in the game, really. I think that when you score, when Parish scores a goal like that, and we're up against it, Cooper gets sent off, and there's a very partisan home crowd that. Sometimes you think that God's slightly smiling on us here. It was a goal out of nothing. He, he surged forward and, you know, whether he, he shinned it or whether he, you know, placed it or whatever, don't really matter. It went in. Cobblers fans went mad and uh, it set us up nicely for the away leg. I was going to ask you, do you think it's easier to go into the second leg on the, like a 1-0 win? Or did you, is it sometimes if you've, you've lost the first leg, you've got something really to push for in the second leg? Oh. Uh, no, you, I'd, um, I'd, I'd much rather be a winning after the first leg, to be honest with you. Um, I, I mean, what, what I would say is, I mean, the, the one thing about us that season was, yeah, and most of the time, we are, we are defended well. So, yeah, we were one up at Cardiff and we, we had some good proper defenders, you know, people who would head it, kick it, all those things that you, you need to do as a defender. So I always felt that we, we could keep clean sheets and we, and we could hold teams out. Uh, and we always had that extra bit of quality somewhere. And and this is this is this urban myth I've got to get rid of. Everyone said that we just humped it and we were hopeless and we just beat teams up. But we had some really good quality players in and amongst in and amongst a style of playing that was difficult to beat. We had we had some good, good quality in there. Yeah, there was there were some good players and you know when you look at the squad and you had people like Roy Hunter I always thought was a, a player who progressed really well in the Phantom and was on the verge of quite a big move before that terrible injury. There was and, and you know, yourself and you know a few others some some quality players that have played higher level and some that you know come from below and stuff we reached the final at Wembley which was a massive occasion for the the club and let's when we're talking about cobblers now against Cheltenham playoffs are a really good thing and although if we get to the final it'll be an empty Wembley but getting to the final was huge for the town and especially in those days it was massive for Northampton wasn't it and do you remember just the buzz around the whole place it was just amazing you can hardly describe it now uh, yeah look I mean I, apparently I mean you, you you guys were able to tell me it was the first time that the, the club had got to Wembley is that right yep yeah, look it was it was it was a fantastic time and I think there was probably what a, a week was there eight, eight days till the till the final so the, it was sunny the build-up was good training was quite relaxed well, as relaxed as it could be under Rackers. Um, you know, and it was and it was it was just a really I mean, I I felt confident. I think Swansea had, had actually done the uh, double over us that year, but I always felt confident. I always felt with our team that we, we could keep a clean sheet and we, we we'd always be hard to beat. And then you were just relying somewhere down the line, somebody to, to score a goal. And as it happens, my partner in crime, my car score mate, stepped up about nine minutes into injury time to score, didn't he? So uh, good lad. Ian Brandt, do you remember the Sixfields boys song that, that was released at the time? Right. <laughs> what a classic. Yeah. Did you? I, I thought I was watching that on YouTube the other day. Did you get a go on the, uh, they had the band um, turn up at Sixfields and, and film Frangley. Did you get a go on the instruments, Ian? I saw those. I didn't, few... unfortunately. It, it looked like it was uh, Ian Sampson, Leah Colkin for most of it, to be fair. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember that, Sixfields yeah. boys. That well, that it's a bit of trivia for you. That that the guy um, who fronted that band, Johnny Harris, he um his his nephew. We were talking about him the other day. Is um Seb Harris, who actually went on to play for the Cobblers. Ah, okay, uh, I didn't know. Yeah. That. My favourite thing about that Six Fools Boys song was that the lines were a bit clunky here and there, weren't they? They sort of rung out of lines halfway through, and I think one of the lines was um David Rennie. He's one of the best. <laughs> Thinking <laughs> David Reddy. Is a, was a good solid player. Not sure he was uh, one of the best. Um, it was just a, it was just a, it was just a fun time at the club, and there was a big buzz building around, and the town got behind it, and we took huge numbers to to Wembley. I always remember the queues down the train station to get down to you know Wembley Central. I think they put spe- special trains on. It was just well, again, wasn't wasn't there that stat at the time? Third, what thirty eight thousand that the the club took to Wembley that first final. And again, I don't know quite how it's all measured, but that was the biggest allocation, wasn't it? Apparently, what, what one club had taken at that time to Wembley. I think that's true. I think because the following year, there were, I think the Cobblers took forty two thousand because Grimsby yeah. took about ten or eleven thousand. It was it was weird, but. 
Yeah, because you've got more of a, a split between the two sets of fans and fewer neutrals. I think until you started getting clubs playing European home games there, we were prob- we probably had for a short time the record for a team's fans there, which is it's a nice when you've not been to Wembley until your centenary and then you start breaking records, it's uh, it's nice to have your kind of five minutes in the sun. Totally uncanny how it all came together that year. I, I often think that with the centenary celebrations going on sort of, you know, around about the club. And then obviously you reach Wembley as well. Brilliant. It, it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I, the sort of two seasons I had there were just, we just felt like we, we, we were winning all the time, you know, fourth and fourth. It was just, just just a really good time to be playing football. I really enjoyed it. You know, I think if you're enjoying your football, it, it, it shows. Um, yeah, and what was the build-up to Wembley 97 with Swansea like? Did Ian keep it quite calm or... Yeah, you, I think you know, so. You were an experienced pro, I guess, so you were a bit more level-headed. The build-up was great. I, I felt confident all the time. The game started and I, I felt confident. As you said, I couldn't see them scoring. I couldn't see us scoring either. I thought it had penalties written all over it. Um, it but it, it was just just a great time. And I think, you know, afterwards it was... And the, that group of lads at that time, socially, we, we enjoyed ourselves. So, you know, we uh, would go to... I think it was Chicago Rock. I'm not sure what, what, what the club was called at the time. Ian, yes, you, you know exactly what the club was called, Ian, because you were always in there, mate. <laughs> Chicago Rock. Seriously, that was when I was working in the town a bit and we would yeah. come down and see you and um, we'd catch one or two players after training on a Monday. We couldn't show you the job I was working in at the time. You were always down Chicago's, mate. Oh, that's how it seemed. It was another sense of, the, honestly, the, the, the togetherness and the... You know, the sense of community you had at the club at the time. It was brilliant. You just had your sizzling platter, no doubt. And then <laughs> and then you were up in the gods in Chicago. I remember it well. It was terrific. Good 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 times had by all really. So, you know, it was it was it was it was yeah, the there were no cliques or anything like that. It was just a, a good squad. Funny people who who worked hard and had a sort of a, a common goal really. That team spirit definitely helped everything along. It just it just seemed yeah, like one united unit, including the fans. And when that goal went in from um, John Frayne in the 93rd <laughs> minute, I've said it before, but it was a release of a lot of uh, bad times at Northampton. And it was just a feeling that we were on the up here. And then we had the Market Square open top bus parade. Does anyone remember that? I remember that. It was I remember that. Loads of people in, North, in town, like thousands. Tom, I said, well, also, I've got a vague recollection of. I'm pretty sure that night, the 97 night, uh, Akers was mates with Alan Brazil, obviously, from his Ipswich days. Right. I'm not sure if Alan Brazil had started it to Hawksport, but I'm pretty sure he ended up on out on it and surprisingly, the Wembley, whatever we stopped, Wembley Hilton or something like that. Pretty sure I remember him waking up in the morning thinking, oh, I should be at work or something like that. So <laughs> it sounds like a typical Alan Brazil story, but I, I, can't, I can't unequivocally prove that one. I've got some vague recollection of something like that happening. Right then, as a nice aside, we're going to speak to a Cheltenham fan and give us a rundown from the Robins' perspective. It's Owen Knight. Hello, Owen. Hello, how are you doing? All right? Yeah, very well, mate. We're all getting excited now for the playoff game on Thursday. Is it? Yeah. Is the excitement building up in Cheltenham as well? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, along my, among my friends and the uh, the whole sort of fan base, we're all geared up for it. I think we've earned it and uh, yeah, ready to see what what holds really in weird circumstances. Yeah, it's very strange circumstances. Ian, do you, do you reckon it's going to be like a close game? I reckon it's got um, all the hallmarks of a close game, I think. It's very unusual circumstances, isn't it? Um, looking at it, if you're going on form, Cheltenham are definitely the form team. Um, they've won ridiculous. They're like they're going into lockdown. Their, their game, they, they won like for about, they weren't beaten for about six weeks or something like that, weren't they? They beat us. And then obviously lockdown happens and you've almost had like a, another pre-season in the middle of the season. So it's going to be a strange one. Yeah. How do you see it going, Owen? Have you had put any thought into like how it might might, might sort of play out on, on the first leg? Well, I think if we're, if we're going off last time we played Northampton at, uh, at their place uh, just after Christmas, it was a pretty drab affair, to be fair. Uh, it was one all. I've got to be honest, not a lot happened. And I think after I, I got suspected of coronavirus, now I look back at it. So I think that sums up how the game went. <laughs> um, it was, I think the home the home leg will all, sort, all be about um, just trying to take stock and try to get a good result going back into the home game um, and see see where we're at really after this lockdown. 
yeah, I've been looking at the, a little bit of the tactics that both teams utilise, and we both use wing backs. So in a lot of ways, it's a, a, a match up of you know in quite equal measures in terms of tactics. I've looked at some of the players as well, and you've got a quite a solid defence and so have we. So I just think it, it could it could either be nick and nip and tuck and and sort of quite close or one team might just go health lever and try and get a like a two goal lead going into the next leg. So that'll be interesting. Um what players would you say to look out for from um the Cheltenham side from you from you guys? That's such a difficult question. Every time anybody asks me that I come up with a different player. I think it it sums up the sort of the the, quali- the quality of the side or what Duff has brought out of the side. God, it's so hard. I think Hussey stands out immediately, uh, a left wing back, because he's just he's just so consistent. He's he's had success with and he's he's been there and done it. He's been with Swindon. He's been at Bury, and he, he just you get you get a nine out of ten performance from him every week down that left wing back, and it's a demanding role. Um, and then the other one I put alongside him would probably be Alfie May because he was such a shrewd signing in January uh, when we had the injuries of like Savani and Reed. He's sort of he's that different type of player, fast-paced player, works his socks off, but he offers that killer instinct, and he's he's become a fan favourite straight away. They're two obviously they're quite interesting choices actually because you wouldn't necessarily think to go with a left wing back, and that's an interesting choice because I think the wing backs are going to have a, a lot to say on on the night really. Um, Alfie May's been well regarded since joining you guys i would have thought that broom is a is one to watch for us as well i think he's a he's a he's a very good player yeah broom broom's had a lot of plaudits this season um and yeah he's another one who could easily get get thrown into that conversation without a doubt we've we've had two good seasons of well we had a half good season with him last season then he caught interest by burton and then he sort of uh come off the boil a bit but he had a bit of interest at the start of this season. Had a few iffy games, but since that's gone, he he really come firing. He and he's just so he's such a utility player. He can play anywhere. He play right wing back, centre mid on the left side if you really needed him there, uh, which is really helpful. It can only sort of bode well for us going forward. Yeah, he's he's got a little bit of touch of class around him. I reckon he could probably play at a high level. You play on the deck quite a lot, probably in contrast to us. And would you say your tactic sort of support? You know, quite a strong central midfield. I think your central midfield would be quite uh, an important factor for you um, on Thursday night. Yeah, absolutely. I think Connor Thomas has been a bit of a revelation this season because he was dreadful under Gary Johnson and he, he wasn't too good last season either, but he's turned into something unreal. I don't know what Duff's done to him. Another player who can play right wing back as well if needed. He can slot anywhere. Jake Doyle Hayes from Villa, we got on loan. He has mm. been unbelievable, the Irish centre mid. Uh, he's come in, been another revelation. He, he's just nothing phases him. He's a real old school centre midfielder. Got that Roy Keane sort of about him, like box to box, no nonsense. Enjoys a tackle, and gets stuck in. The mentality Duff has instilled, it's kind of a you go out and you leave it all on the pitch to the last minute. I think we can, we have that ability to just change the pace quickly. We we can take stock. We can def- defend well. We've got the best defence in like the the top four tiers, which shows the type of manager we've got. You've got Ben Tozer, who's very well known at Northampton. He played at Northampton. His first game at Northampton was when we beat Liverpool at Anfield. So he yeah. was quite an introduction for, for Ben. And um, Ian, do you remember much about Ben Tozer for Northampton? Long throw? <laughs> Obviously, remember the long throw into the box. I don't know if he... Um... If he does that for you for Cheltenham, um, yes, he does. Not very yeah. successfully, but uh, we 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 basically relied on that. Actually, that was that that was that our playoff season when he used to do yeah, that. We played, yeah, he played against us in the playoffs. Against, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he's he's been our captain all season. He's he's been solid brick. I mean, the whole defense has been, but yeah, he, he's sort of he's led well. I mean, we've got a lot of leaders on the pitch, but he's probably a bit of an unsung hero because he is again his turnaround's been fantastic. But you never sort of worry with him. He's solid. He he leads that line well, and the rest of the team. You your your centre backs gonna have to be really on their game. People like Ben Tozer because we just when you have got Nicky Adams on the wing, the ball just goes out to him and he just will ping balls in all day. And your centre backs have got to really be on their game to stand up to it. I think, but. That might be where our weakness lies, maybe on the right side. If because Long Long's a very he can be a really good player if he's on his game, but he's probably he's a very good player, but he's, he is probably the one weak link at times if he's not on his game, if he's not sharp. And obviously, if Nicky Adams is coming down that side, that could be our issue. 
it's all set up for a really good match in terms of just anything could happen on the night. I, I could I could predict any any result easily. Like yeah. I could see you winning by a couple of goals. I could see us scoping a one 0 I could see a draw. But how if you had to be you know pushed on it, what would you say the result in the first leg is would be? I'll take a draw. I'll take a one all draw or something like that. Yeah, um, what about the uh, second leg? How do you how second, do you see yourself going through overall? Or I think I could see us going through overall if we if we if we can get back at home with a with a one all or a being a draw. I mean, even if we nick a goal, but I think the home leg will be where we'll sort of come to life a bit. Do you think your cardboard cutouts are going to be more vocal than ours? Then is that what you think the um? <laughs> well, it depends. How I many have you got? A seven or something like that last time I heard. <laughs> As as we always do at Northampton, you did it first. Yeah. And I think someone in our office tweeted, let's do this. And then we, we sold a few, but, you know, it doesn't really matter. I think Exeter have jumped on it now as well. I mean, we can't take credit for it. I think, uh, obviously, uh, the Bundesliga started that thing off. But no, it should be good. It's nice. It's just to you'd be able to actually see something in the crowd rather than the seats, which I think will add at least something to it. It's going to be weird. Whichever team comes out on top, they will they'll deserve it ultimately. The other team will be hard done by, but I think it will be, you know, it's going to be a tough, tight game and they're, they're going to leave everything on the pitch. So That's true. Well, thanks for taking the time out to talk to us. It's been really um, sort of interesting from our end to understand Charlton a little bit more on what we're going into on Thursday. So thanks a lot, mate. Thank Take you very care. much. Yes, bye. Right, that's more than enough to talk about German Town. Ian. The next season, it just rolled on, didn't it? It rolled on. and um, yeah. Did you have a feeling the next season we might do it or do you think it was going to be a consolidation season? Oh, I wasn't sure. I mean, I look, I mean, I think obviously we, we had, you sort of have spells, don't you? I mean, my youth team coach wouldn't, send to, wouldn't said to me, you're only ever as good as your strikers or your front men. And obviously David Steele came in and scored about 10 in 10. He had a right, really good run of form. Yeah. You know, then Heggsy scored at the right time. Then when we were struggling for goals, Chris Freestone pops up. We so we just seemed to get that little impetus. Then Jason Dazelle came in and scored something. So there was, just at the right times when, when we needed it, we suddenly seemed to come up with your goods and, and score some goals for us. Yeah, and that, and that season snowballed again, got a bit of form together, and just the belief grew as well. And we weren't obviously scared of the playoffs by at that point. We'd done it. Let's go for it again. And did anyone go to the the Bristol Rovers first uh, leg? Of, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, obviously you did it. Yeah, well, I was, I was, I, well, I was on the pitch. Yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, did anyone go from as a as a fan from from the fans' perspective? Was anyone in the away end? My recollection of the away legs really clear. So I was playing. We were playing cricket um, up at up at the Obelisk, and of course, no no mobile phones back then. But you knew the game was on. Got back into the, got back into the clubhouse. And then they've got Radio Northampton on, I think I think it was. And it's like, oh, God, 3-0 down. And it was just that bit at the end with Gale's goal. And what a goal. What beautiful finish. Which, funny enough, made me think, thinking about we, the Cobblers, and I'll put this to everybody, have never scored a bad away goal in the playoffs. Every one of them has been a beauty, all three. Mm. But. But hearing that kind of one, just to give us a bit of hope, and certainly then hearing the stories afterwards about where the Rovers announced and started talking about Wembley arrangements, I mean, it must have played some... Just that dynamic of the last 10 minutes of that game must have played such a role in then a few days later, the way that Sixfields kind of rocked in a way it never had, and... and what it must have been like playing in it, Ian, I can only imagine because, you know, we've never recreated that atmosphere, not in not in the 20 years since. Yeah, I have to I have to say, you know, I mean, I, I spoke to J- John Fran about this. So, sorry there, fellas, if I put it in front of anybody. Um, but look, I mean, we, I mean, it was seven and a half thousand, but we, we played in some big crowds. But I don't think I've played in a better atmosphere anywhere in football than that night. It was unbelievable because it was so compact and it was the whole game. The atmosphere was going. We scored goals at just the right time. And I've never played in such a, a partisan atmosphere as that. I, I, I really can't recall it. And I think it, it really helped us get the result. I, I, I genuinely do, because we just kept, you know, when, when limbs were getting tired, we just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. It was a, and, and I also reckon, I've had about 450 games, I'd be hard pushed to find a, a more complete team performance than that one that night. I said I said to Tom recently. I mean, I watched the, the game through about, I don't know, about three or four months ago for the first time, probably since 1998. And I've forgotten just how well we played. You know, we, we that was as, as good a team before. I mean, yeah, we think about it. It takes some doing that to come back and score three goals 
um, against against a decent side. And I tell you what, we we played incredibly well. We just the tempo. You know, you talk about. I think I, I always thought that Jurgen Klopp invented a pressing game. I don't think he did. 1998, we we, we were pressing. <laughs> we, we we weren't letting Bristol Rovers out anywhere, and, and we did it for 90 minutes as well. So you know, and he was three 0 and he could have been five or six. To be honest with you, we we missed some chances that night. So. Yeah, I'll bring in Brant in here because we were looking at some photos of uh, of the second leg for Bristol Rovers at Sixfields and there was seemed to be some inspirational messages plastered all over the, the dressing room, including pictures of like Wembley icons and stuff like that, Ian and um Ian Brunt. And one I think um Ian Atkins brought in some sort of inspirational lady, like Iron Jury type figure, Ian Brunt. Do you remember do you remember, oh, do you remember. those pictures? Yeah, and didn't he change the colour scheme in the in the dressing room and, and things like that, and he changed and he changed the colour scheme in the away dressing room, didn't he? He was very much into all into yeah. all that. How did that go down well with the players? I mean, it's, it's fair to Akers. He was, you know, people talk about all these modern day, you know, clearly we we, we didn't have heart rate monitors and those sort of in the day, but you know, in terms of appliance of science, we we were ahead of the game. We had a sports psychologist there, Janet York, if you, if you wanted to use her. Um, you know, there were, there were lots of motivational things plastered around the chain rooms. Yes, you know, we used to, I think he painted the away team Drisham a different colour. So, yeah, he, he was very big on sort of mind games and psychology. So, you know, it's it's uh, not a, anything new, I don't think, but it, it, it was certainly, you know, and, and whether or not you used it was entirely up to you. So, I mean, you know, I, I didn't always buy into it, but some people did. And if some people do, that, that's fantastic. It, it's a worthwhile. Mm, and obviously the lads were were bang out for it on the night and we've heard the stories of John Gale. John Gale was very useful on the pitch and then also in the tunnel, wasn't he? He I think it was in that game that he was geeing up the geeing up the Cobblers players and, you know, staring out the, the Bristol Rovers lads. I think he bounced a ball off one of their players' heads or something like that, I heard. So he <laughs> see, was see, I have to say, Tom, I mean like, you know, Gailey he's probably the hardest man I know. You know, he just liked to yeah. scuffle. So whether it was on the pitch, off the pitch, he's, he's a really nice fella if you're getting all right with him. Um, <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's a nice bloke, but I mean, part, part of his game was about intimidation. And, you know, I mean, that's that's still the case now. So part of his game was about intimidating opposition. And him intimidating a centre-half might give Chris Freestone five yards extra, might give Carl Hex five yards extra to run into. So it, it, it's, it's a worthwhile thing. And when he was on his game, he was a, he was a, he was a, a handful. We've got to talk about your goal. Carl Hex scored, you know. Yeah, good goal. I remember it. And yeah. the atmosphere was absolutely banging. But the, but then we've got to ask you the question, and everyone's been asking you this. What asking me this? What were you doing in that position to score your goal? Because it well, was a, a close little finish. Well, I, I was clearly on a roll, having scored at Chesterfield about four weeks earlier. So all uh, right, yeah, sort of fancied my chances. Oh, it was like you know we were. Well, I mean, you know, we were sort of gambling, weren't we? We, we were playing with with a back three, so as as wing backs, we were pushed on. And again, yeah, I think it was probably about twenty odd minutes to go, and I suppose. More so than you would normally. You were like, well, actually, you know, this this could be our last game of the season. So you were taking chances, um, and you know, and, and gambling on the off chance that Heggsy might do a Cruyff turn past Foster and, and uh, whip one at the near post. <laughs> it was it was really good movement of like you know fit fit for a striker really. And well, you know, I don't like to talk about it, Tom, but now now, now you've brought it up. <laughs> so like I remember, so I think it was Lockwood who was marking me. I pulled off his shoulder and as he turned, I just nipped in front of him and. Uh, I did. Luckily, I, I didn't have time to think about it, so I just basically hit it as it came in, and uh, and 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 that was it, wasn't it? And then obviously Ray's very good header, which I think was his first goal of the season as well. Someone told me, so it kind of all, all it it all came together nicely. It's interesting what you say about the you know that being a pretty unique atmosphere because I mean I'm sure everyone I mean I, I was there that night and I mean I, I don't I can't remember an atmosphere like it. It it, it was an absolutely immense night that. I mean, talk about talk about destiny, the way you were set up, the atmosphere. You know when there's like a sense of sort of heat around a football match? And it, 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 ju- it just came off. It just came off that night. An ama- yeah, amazing, yeah. Not, amazing night to be a fan and to be in that ground, I tell you. Yeah, I can imagine it. As, as a player, it was fantastic. You know, that would be one of the games that I, I remember, not just because of scored, but just for everything, everything that was about it. The atmosphere was, was terrific and... And that, it just proves to me that you know you're, you're better off playing in a, in a full stadium uh, than you are in in, in, a, in a in a big one with five or ten thousand people in it because it was absolutely rocking as you said and and it was it was a hostile was the wrong word because hostile would, would mean it was a unpleasant he wasn't it was a really positive experience for the entire evening. That's what you get. That's what you get with the playoffs, isn't it? As well, I yeah. mean, 
It's, it's, you know, like it, on the last round of matches in a World Cup group, you often get some mad matches, don't you? When it's literally yeah. like, bloody hell, we're 10 minutes from actually getting knocked out here. Let's do something special. It was that, it was that sort of night, wasn't it? I mean, obviously, yeah. after the 3-1 the in the first leg. And it's literally, I suppose, you get to the stage, well, right, it's, it's the entire season condensed now into the next 25 minutes. So some brilliant, some brilliant memories in, um, you know, that Wembley 97 is up there. Probably the best yes. sort of games I've, you know, best best feelings I've seen had as a Cobblers uh, fan. And I guess a lot of yeah. the other guys talking to you now. And perhaps let's move forward now to current times. And let's talk a little bit about the playoffs, playoff game on Thursday. Um, I'll bring Andy in first. Andy, have you had enough, to, enough time to have a look at Cobblers v Cheltenham, how you think it might play out? Um, yeah, I guess as much as anyone else. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a completely blank sheet of paper, isn't it? We don't know what 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 shape the two clubs are going to be in after you know this this madness of the last few months. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see no reason to not be confident and hopeful. You know, um, bright enough moments in the matches that I saw before it before it all shut down. So, you know, I think we've got we've got every chance. I think. What about you, Jake? Have you had a little look at Cheltenham or, you know, Northampton, are we going to line up? Well, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I think Cheltenham is a really, when you consider that seven years ago, it was Cobb Cheltenham in the playoffs. And one of the things I kind of, the thing that will always stick with me, I've kind of felt that we would beat Cheltenham over two legs. And then, I'm not trying to disparage Cheltenham in any way, but Cheltenham, not a huge club. Um, They've been a football league side, bar that one year in the conference for about 20 years now, which again, you know, is no mean feat, but they're not, they're not the cobblers in terms of their their size and, you know, their fans. I remember when we played them in the playoffs seven years ago, we, um, we complete, when it gave, I mean, I was in the home end uh, at Wadden Road for that second leg, um, just because we'd sold out our allocation. Yeah, I and I just, I just think, I think Cheltenham, without, without the, the fans being there over those two legs, I think the thing you can always say about the cobblers is when it comes to, either backs against the walls or a playoff situation, the fans more than bring it, you know, and, they, and as uh, Ian was sort of talking about, you know, there's been some great playoff nights, you know, even ones where we've not gone through, like stuff like Mansfield uh, in 2004, where the atmosphere has been tipped up, and then South End where the atmosphere has been tipped up. And I just think the absence of those fans on, uh, well, tomorrow is going to, it could hurt the club, but I'm hoping that we're going to have an, enough about us over the two legs and in terms of the players that we've got, that we should be able to sneak out. And I think, as we were saying at the very top, in some ways we were, we were one of the form sides in the division before we entered lockdown. We've just got to hope we're going to carry that over when we kick off again tomorrow. Yeah, I remember that Cheltenham 2012-13, I think it was under AD Bufford, I think we managed then. And, they kicked it off at about five o'clock or six o'clock at night for, for the TV. So everyone yeah. was in Cheltenham at lunchtime. And by about five, everyone was just basically rolling around drunk like slop. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was quite, uh, it was a really good way down. I remember it was a really nice warm day and Guthridge scored that. that it was roasted. Match. Well, the thing uh, is, I think the, the Guthridge goal, it was such a, I mean, I think I was, I, I, I've been distracted by so it kind of came out of nowhere. I think Bayo chested it down and Guthridge hit it. And yeah. I was, I don't know, I don't know what I was doing, but I, I missed it and I was, I was there. So I don't know what was going on. <laughs> You're probably about 10 pints deep, mate. So that's I do, that was one of the few games where I think I was stone cold sober, mate, if I tell you the truth. No. It, it, was, it was one that I, I was, I was 23. So I was maybe, you know, I weren't quite in the, in my championship drinking stages at that point. But I kind <laughs> of, um, I wanted to, that whole playoff campaign, I kind of got, had this headset. I wanted to remember all of it, including Bradford, which oh, in no. hindsight, is probably one of my stupid decisions and probably why I drank every Cobblers game afterwards, just in case it happened again. Yeah, <laughs> numbing the pain. Um, Martin, how do you see it going in the first leg? Reach out on them. It's, it's, it could go, like, I think Jake said in the last uh, programme that it could go either way, either a close game or we'll get hammered yeah. or, you know, we'll hammer them maybe, I don't know. I, th- I think it's it's one. Of, I mean, there's no there's no bad sides really getting the playoffs. And I think there's a, a point um, Ian Clarkson made uh, <clears throat> earlier about the cobblers kind of form going to it, going into it, but that's sort of nullified by having three months off. But traditionally, I've always felt if you're a team that kind of sneaks in on a good run of form, 
as opposed to a team who drop out of the automatic promotion places. You're going with a bit more momentum, but that's probably mm. not going to be at play this time. But I think Cheltenham have got, you know, they, they do well on a, on a fair, what appears to be quite a, quite a low budget. And I think Michael Duff seems like a, a very highly rated manager, like from hearing what different, different people at different clubs say. But I think it feels like the mood in the camp is good. I think the, the club seem to have done the right thing by the players. The fact that players have volunteered to give up their win bonuses, etc., promotion bonuses, etc., suggests there's a happy camp there, which, in a way, all you can do, really, is train, try and keep people at the right level. Cheltenham, play, they played a friendly, I think, a week ago and got um, got beat um, somewhere, whereas Keith Curl decided to keep our lot just training. But it's it's one of those that there's no there's no bad sides in it. You know, I fancy us generally against everyone, but then I'm I'm biased. Um, I'd, I'd I'd love to think we could do we could do similar to um, was it six seven years ago. Um, and I I I just want to sort of ju- it's a very interesting thing you just said there, Martin. The thing is, this this playoff campaign, no one has ever experienced it before. This is completely new territory. No one has ever gone. Into a into a League Two playoff, having not kicked a ball for three months, so this is all completely uncharted. This is brand new for all four teams. It could really be very interesting. What happens? Really interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's an interesting thing, isn't there? With because um, the Bundesliga, we've been playing kind of longest out of um, out of any leagues, and albeit on a small sample size, there seems to be more away wins now. Whether that's going to play into it, the games are going to be a bit more, bit more open. Um, I don't know, but it's going to be fascinating to watch. It's going to be strange the cobblers in the playoffs and not at the very least being in a pub watching it. But you know, it's you know we've bought ourselves a ticket. You know, we've had a rough, had a rough couple of years since Chris Wilder left, and we're on an upward trajectory again. And it's um, yeah, at worst we've got a twenty-five percent chance if it's just luck. Um, I'll bring Ian Brandt in now. Um, Ian, you you sort of a bit of a f- fan of Cheltenham manager Michael Duff. Um, the, he was a, quite a, a genuine player and um, sort of a player that you, you remember, isn't it, Ian? Well, I was, I was, I'd compare him to Samo in a way. He played for them for a, a long time, didn't he? I think he, he played like 300-something games for them. And then he... Um, I think he was at Burnley after that and got into management um, that way, and he's come back there and he's he's done he's done well there with a with a small budget. If you actually look at their form, if you are taking form into account, <laughs> they're doing really well. Um, so <laughs> a little bit worried about them to be honest. But it's like Jake said, it's completely up in the air. I mean, Ian, you've there's nothing to compare. It's, I mean, the only thing I can compare it to is reserve team football maybe you know that kind of atmosphere where you've got absolutely world-class like goals flying in all angles and nobody there you know there's no crowd to suck the ball into the net you know the cardboard cutouts aren't going to do that it's going to be difficult it's probably like my first ever game for Northampton away at Rawns in a (laughs) pre-season something similar to that really so uh, yeah it's a strange a strange one but ultimately the players will be prepared for it they'll expect it um, you know they've been training for this, so I, I think you know when once the game starts, they'll be they'll be fine. Yeah, they've I mean, uh, Keith Kelgut has them really fit, and he's he brings players into a certain type. So I think maybe Akers was similar, like a psycholo- psychological profile. He doesn't bring any players in that he'll have to carry or aren't playing for the team. So. I, I have no problems psychologically that they'll be up for it. The only slight issue and concern I've got is maybe in the centre of the park where Cheltenham are really strong with people like Broom um, surging forward that we rely quite heavily on a guy called Adam McCormack who is, I think he's about 35 now and struggled quite chronically with injuries. And if he starts to struggle maybe in the last 20 minutes that they might start to turn the screw us in a little bit. And the other th- slight concern I'd have is um, Keith Curl game, game management over two legs so Keith Curl often tends to play slightly gung-ho and go for the win and we've lost a couple of points in the last 20 minutes so how are we going to manage a two-leg affair so that that would be the slight two con- 
two slight concerns I've got, but with our power at set pieces and our direct play, we can score goals from nothing. So I think that balances out a bit. Um, Ian, if you were to do a little bit of a team talk for Cobblers in the yes. playoffs, what, what sort of things would you be saying or what sort of things would Ian be saying? I think you'd just be saying, you know, focus on your game, you know, make sure yeah. that the person you're, you're playing against you and get, get, get the better of them. Um, you know, also, you know, what, what's the score been against Shelton in the league this season? One draw and one defeat. We lost actually quite recently 2-1, but then Cobblers lost again in certain games and then won the playoffs. So, yeah, you know. look, I'll just be focused on the positives. Clearly, you know, that you've got into the playoffs in a good run of form, score goals, you've got a way of playing. And I think the key thing is, as has been said earlier, it is 180 minutes this game. So, yeah. you know, if, if you're losing after 160, 165, you, you're still in it. What, what what you don't want to do is be so far behind that that's it. So, you know, it's it's, it's all about mental strength and, and and having that belief that you're, you're good enough to win. And I, I think psychology is such a big part of football. Clearly, you obviously need some ability as well. But, you know, you, you can factor out any sort of... Any, any, any nerves around crowd pressure or anything like that? Because there's going to be no crowd pressure. So yeah, you would hope that your more expressive players or people, you know, can, can, can really go for it. Yeah, hopefully that's the way. And, and, and John Gale scoring in that Bristol Rovers game shows that it's never over till it's over and just get a, get a goal. Every goal is crucial. So you get well, yeah, a goal, he, you don't know where it's yeah. going to come back to actually help you. In the... Well, do you know what? I mean, if, if you think with, you know, with, with 100 minutes left, we, we, we were losing 3-0 in that game, basically. Yeah. We sort yeah. of came back to win four three, so you know you were never you, you never know. I just and I'd be saying give it your best shot, you know, play, play to your strengths. So I've not seen Northampton play a lot recently, so we, I you know. But if you're telling me that you're quite direct, play to your strengths. You know what I mean? So d- don't suddenly change because it's the playoffs. Yeah. Play how you've played all season, and just play as well as you can. I I think there's a there's a point you're making making there, Ian. Um, Right, that late John Gale goal that just gave a glimmer of hope when all looked lost. But we had the um, semi, we had Mansfield at home first, and we played appallingly. We were 2-0 down, and Ashley Westwood, who didn't really have a great career at the Cobblers, the centre-half rather than the midfielder yeah. years later. But one of the best things he did that season was with about five minutes to go, we're 2-0 down at home. He brought Colin Larkin down clean through, took straight red, but that kept the score at 2-0. And yeah. we've gone to Mansfield a few days later and we're 3-0 up after, I think, 59 minutes. And, it's, you know, those, it's almost like anyone on the park. It could be a really bad first 85, 90 minutes at home, but still someone could make a difference that turns out to be pivotal. And it's yeah. and that's probably what's so exciting about it. Unless you have a real no-show, yeah. no one's going to be out of it. I think so. And as I said, I mean, it's just just about self belief. And you know, if you go into the playoffs, you should be confident. You know, you should feel like you're a good team. Um, and yeah, if you can score goals from set pieces again, they're going to be crucial, aren't they? You know, if if you look at that night against Bristol Rovers, two of the three goals were, were from set pieces. Ian, would you uh, sort of uh, make a prediction for the game on Thursday? Or yeah, of course I can. Yeah, I'm more than happy to say two uh, 0 Northampton. Oh, that's 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 a nice positive start. What about you, Andy? Have you got a prediction? Um, yeah, three-one defeat, which tees up the uh, second leg nicely. <laughs> oh yeah, as long as uh, there's a John Gale chip in the last. Well, uh, indeed, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, that talk about momentum, I think, is absolutely crucial. Certainly, I think it was Martin mentioned it earlier, in terms of a team that you know creeps into that bracket with a late run, and then you can just roll that on to the uh, to the semis. I reckon that's key in playoffs, it really is. But obviously that's not the case this year. So we just hope for the best. True. Martin, let's uh let's 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 hear you not we won't get on the fence on this podcast. Let's hear you your prediction for Thursday night. Um I think that the last well the last few games or the last few weeks it's felt like there's lots of bits that are clicking together quite well, but it hasn't quite all come together. I'm gonna, I'm gonna predict, stroke guess, that all this time on the training ground, it's gonna turn into best performance of the season, and I'm gonna go three nil cobblers. Wow, wow, fair play. That'll be, uh, that'll be perfect. Uh, Ian, what about you? Prediction. 
I think our, I think our cardboard cutouts are going to generate a better atmosphere than theirs. I think they'll suck a <laughs> to the net. Yeah, I'll go for three nil cobblers. I think the uh, what's the young lad on loan from West Brom? It's been so long, I forgot his name. Uh, Callum Morton. That's it, Callum Morton. Yeah, I think I think he could. Uh, I think he could impress if he gets a game. I think he's a very promising uh, player and big Vidane as well. I think. Um, yeah. I think he has been quietly outstanding this season, Vidane Oliver. He really has let you've got some you've got we've got quite a lot up front, but I think that big powerful man in the middle, it allows the the, the more footbally types, and I think Callum Morton's benefited from that. And he's it feels like it's a bit stereotypical with the ginger striker. It's like it could be the second coming of Tony Adcock. <laughs> Now, that's a name to country with. Uh, I'm not even sure if Ian class will be aware of him. He might have actually played against him. But um, what about you, you Jake? Are you, are you confident of a, of a winner? Uh, yeah, go on then. I'll say... Um, <laughs> no, I'll say, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say one all. I think the cardboard cut out. So, Nessa can get some big names in it at the last minute. It, it, then, uh, then I'm going to have to say one all. But if, if the Kim Dynasty's there, I'll bump it to a 3 0. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slightly worried that uh, our talk about the dictators being in the stands and the cardboard cutouts and dictators is, and if it actually people have actually done it, it might create. No room. one's gonna have had that. No can, you, can you imagine playing and Kim Jong Un is looking at you, or, or uh, Idi Amin, or the other ones we were talking um, about? Oh, um, um, imagine, imagine, imagine if you spent a whole year playing League Two football for Cheltenham Town and Hitler's yeah. behind the goal. Oh man! Uh, but, you know that's gonna be like winning the game in a tunnel. So I think yeah. the, club, the club have got to consider it, to be honest with you, if you ask me. There's always time. There's always time to affair. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, we, we better wrap up there. Time has actually flown and it's been really good talking about those um, brilliant times in the late 90s when football, I think, was just better generally, to be honest with you. Ian, do you agree football was better in the 90s? Ian Clarkson? Well, apparently football didn't start until 1992. It was invented by Sky. So any, any games <laughs> I played before that don't count, apparently. <laughs> so... Um, I yes. tell you what, Chicago's was better in the nineties because it's not even there now. So yeah, you can agree <laughs> on that. Chicago's are heydays when Ian Bradley. Chicago heydays, yeah. I, I think we went to the uh, opening night. Yeah, that's, I'm oh. sure we did. Of course, we were drinking orange juice and behaving, but we, <laughs> we, we, we it was a Wednesday night. We went to the opening night, and it was a very good night had by all. If you honestly that that night, Ian, there would have been a lad there uh, with a cameraman with massive glasses and a stupid tie. We would have been there that night, honestly. Back in my, we, yeah, I'm sure. Chicago, no, Chicago Rock Cafe used to ring my boss up and say, "We've got a function on. Yeah. Can you bring a camera down?" And we, we just used to go, and you know, there's Ian at the bar, glass <laughs> of um, Bucks Fizz in his hand or whatever. Oh, sorry. sorry, orange juice. <laughs> and you know, you just interview him, propped up at the bar. Um, yeah. Propped up literally, not in... Not yeah, I know what up. you mean. Yeah, of course. yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite literally leading on the bar. Great days. Great days. Good days, yeah. no, As you said, you, you could actually access people back in those days, couldn't you, for a chat? Yeah, indeed. It was totally different world. I mean, that was part of it. You could tell that you lot, generally speaking, seemed to get on and had a spirit and sort of obviously, you know, went out as a team or a group on, you know, a, a, a not infrequent basis, uh, dare I say. <laughs> Um, yeah, I loved it. Right, I Good think time. that's a that's um, a brilliant thing to wrap up on. And in fact, they're talking about the team spirit of Cobbies in the Nineties. Yeah. And if the current team can have anything like that, we're, we're going to go far. But just like to say thank you to Ian for taking time out to talk to us and sharing his his memories of the playoffs. It's been really fruitful. So I'm sure the rest yeah. of the guys. Thanks, gents. Yeah, thank you, Ian. That was great. Yeah, no worries, guys. Nice good, good, good luck on Thursday. Hope it goes well. Yeah, we might have to borrow you, mate, if we, you know, for the second leg or, you know, if we get through to the final, because, you know... Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. It's 2020 now. I've got myself an agent. You'll have to go through him. Oh, <laughs> if it's John Gale, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> if it's right, John Gale, no worries. <laughs> but thanks for talking to us, guys, and we'll, um, we'll speak soon. And, let, you know, good luck to the lads on Thursday. Cheers, fellas. See you later. Bye-bye. See you, guys. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.